Well, good morning. My name is Rich, and I typically work with uh, teenagers here at the church, but every once in a while I get the opportunity to, uh, to talk with you guys on a Sunday morning. So I'm glad I have the opportunity to uh, serve you, those of you here in the main and those of you over in the link. Glad I have the opportunity just to uh, share with you and uh, serve you this morning. I'm excited about uh, what God is going to speak to us uh, today. I'm going to let you in on a little secret about myself. It's not anything big. It's nothing major. Anything like that, but um, I like tea. Does anybody else like tea? Is anybody a tea fan? All right. Awesome. Uh, I'm a big fan of tea. My wife actually calls me a tea snob. Um, not sure if that's true or not, but um, I, she calls me a tea snob, and the reason that she calls me a tea snob is because I'm not one of those guys. I'm not like a Lipton tea guy. I'm not a, I'm not a Salada tea guy. I'm not a Tetley tea guy. The type of tea that I like is, is the good stuff. I like the tea that you buy, you know, you know like the loose leaf tea that you buy in a, in a store that, that is actually made just to sell different types of teas. That is the type of tea that I like. Like, has anybody ever been to Tivana up at the UP Mall? One person. All right. Yes. Uh, great. Well, uh, you and me, maybe we'll see each other sometime. Um, but uh, I like that. You know, I love to go into Tivani. You know, some guys, some guys go to Lowe's. Some guys go to the Harley store. Some guys go to Cabela's. I go to Tivana. You know, that's what I like. You know, does that make me less of a man? Yeah, it probably does. But that's all right. You know, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So, uh, but I, I really uh, just like tea. And actually, what I, what I often do, I brought some with me. Um, I got my little teapot right there. And so this is what I will typically do in the mornings. Um, I have a little can of tea right here. This is English breakfast tea. This is good stuff. If you're looking for a good black tea, English breakfast is a very good uh, tea. That smells good. Um, so what I'll typically do in the mornings is I'll just reach in there and, uh, you know, pull out my loose leaf tea, put it in my little teapot right here. Get some more. I like, I like to add a little. I like a stronger flavor, so I add some more tea in there and everything. And then add the hot water. And then just let the magic happen. And this is how I will often, you know, spend uh, a morning just uh, drinking some tea and, and enjoying, you know, just a nice quiet morning and everything. But that's what I often do. I'll pour, put the tea in there, pour the hot water in there, and then just let it soak and let the magic happen. Now we're going to leave that there for a minute and just come back to that here in a minute. But um, I'm, I got the opportunity today to uh, wrap up our series, our Gut Check Mountain series. For the past several weeks, we have been looking at Jesus's most well-known sermon. We've been looking at his most well-known sermon for the past several weeks, and what he said literally shook up the world. I don't know if we fully grasp the, uh, the importance of what he said. This was, this was new stuff. This was fresh stuff. It was unlike anything that people had ever heard before. And I would sum up everything that we've learned over the past several weeks. I would sum up everything that we've learned from Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. I would sum it all up in this way. Everything that Jesus said, I would sum it up like this. If you trust God, if you really trust God, then this is how you will live. If you really trust God, 
then you will live your life according to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. If you believe that God is who he says he is, if you believe that God will do what he says you will do, then you will live your life in that way. So if we really trust God, what we're going to do is we're going to realize, like we've learned over the past several weeks, that God is actually concerned about our motives, that God is actually concerned about the motives behind why we do what we do, and he is concerned about the condition of our hearts. We will believe that the way that we live our life can actually point somebody to God, that the way that we live in an uncommon way, that the way that we live our life can actually point somebody to God. We'll believe that the way we judge others is the way that we ourselves are going to be judged. We'll believe that. We'll believe that we are not just supposed to love people that love us back, but we're supposed to do something crazy like love our enemies. We're supposed to pray for those who persecute us. We'll believe in the importance of prayer, and we will pray throughout our day. We'll believe in the importance of forgiveness, and, 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 and that we are often most like Jesus when we offer forgiveness to somebody who totally does not deserve forgiveness. We'll believe that. We'll believe uh, that we are to go the second mile for people, that, we'll, that we're to give more than we would typically give, that we are to do more than what is expected of us. We'll believe that there is more to this life than what is here on earth. So we won't focus so much on the earthly stuff, but we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we'll believe that God actually knows our name. We'll believe that God knows us by name. And because he knows us, because he cares for us, he'll provide for us. And so why should we worry? God has it under control. Those are the types of things that we will believe. But not only will we believe them, but we will live them. If we really trust God, that is how we, how we will live. Because our trust will always lead to our obedience. And so people were hearing this stuff like for the very first time and, and, and it's fresh, it's new. And, and you can read at the end of, of what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon of the Mount on, in, in Matthew chapter 7. You don't have to turn there right now, but the last two verses of Matthew chapter 7 just say this. This is how the people responded to Jesus. When Jesus concluded his address, so whenever he finished talking, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching that they had ever heard. And so the people were amazed at everything that Jesus was saying. But I hope that we realize this. I hope that we understand this. I hope that we realize that Jesus never spoke just to amaze people. Jesus never spoke just to amaze people. Jesus never spoke to hear the applause of the crowd. Jesus never spoke to get more followers on, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is. That's, that's not why Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke with purpose. I hope we understand that. 
Jesus spoke with purpose. All throughout the Bible, you can see when God speaks, he speaks to accomplish something. He doesn't talk to hear his own voice. He doesn't talk so, people can, so other people can simply hear him. He speaks to activate us. He speaks to accomplish something. He speaks to set things in motion. He speaks to create change. And the words that Jesus has spoken to us over the past several weeks have been given to you. They have been given to me to accomplish something in our lives. Because that is why Jesus speaks. He speaks to accomplish. The words of the Bible are meant for more than just being heard. The words of the Bible are meant to be lived. They are meant to be lived out. And what we're going to learn today is that if you have not been triggered to live differently, then you have missed the point of what Jesus has said. If you have not been moved to action by what you've heard over the past several weeks, then you have missed the point of what Jesus said because it's the doing that will make the difference. It's the doing that makes the difference. Now let's come back to this tea here. This tea has been, the water that I poured onto the tea, it's been sitting here for a couple of, of minutes. And what you see happen is that when you pour this tea out, when you pour it, I'm spilling some here, that's why I make a mess right there, but um, this is what happens. The, the water has now taken on the characteristic of the tea. The water that I poured in there has now taken on the characteristic of the tea. It has absorbed the color of the tea. It has absorbed the flavor of the tea. It has absorbed the aroma and the character of the tea. And when that happens, there is a change. A change has happened. The water has literally taken on a new identity. We no longer call this a cup of water. We call it a cup of tea. There has literally been a change, and it's the same thing that happens in our lives when we saturate ourselves with the words of Jesus. When you allow the words of Jesus to activate you, when you allow his words to move you to action, when you live out his words, you begin to absorb the character of Jesus the flavor and the aroma of Jesus, you actually begin to take on a whole new identity and you become the man or the woman that God has created you to be. And God's desire, God's desire for all of us is to be that man or woman that he has created us to be and he does that by growing in us a big faith. God desires to grow in you a big faith. He wants you to have this bulletproof confidence in him but that bulletproof faith doesn't happen in our lives because we show up on a Sunday morning and listen to a sermon a big faith does not happen because you take notes in your Bible a big faith does not happen because you bring a highlighter with you and maybe highlight some of the verses that we've gone over your faith grows when you do something with it your faith grows when you do something with it because it's the doing that makes the difference. It's the doing that makes the difference. Why do I believe that? Because it's exactly what Jesus said. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, if you need a Bible, just put your hand up here in the main, over in the links. Somebody will be around and give you a Bible if you need one. But you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. 
And we're going to look at how Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount. These are his last words. These are how, this is how he finished the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. And again, if you need a Bible, put your hand up. One of our wonderful ushers will be around to give you a Bible. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, when you find it, would you mind just go ahead and standing up with us? We're just going to read uh, these verses together. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Let's go ahead and read it together, starting at verse 24 right now. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Thanks. You can go ahead and have a seat. There are a couple things that I notice from this story that I just want to point out to you. These were observations that I just saw as I was reading that story. I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of interesting. Wow, that's kind of cool. And so these are just a few observations that I noticed as I was just reading this story. And the first one is this. Because you are here today listening to the words of Jesus, you are one of these two people. Because you are in this building today, or maybe on the internet, or listening on a CD, or whatever it is, because you are hearing these words, you are one of these two people. This story describes you. This story describes me. I am one of these two people. You are one of these two people simply because you have heard the words of Jesus, because you're hearing the words of Jesus today. Second observation that I notice is this. These two people in this story that Jesus told had a lot of similarities. They had a lot of similarities. Both heard the words of Jesus. Both wanted to hear the words of Jesus. Both realized the importance of learning from the Bible. Both knew that it was important to to be somewhere on a Sunday morning, to, to go to church, to go to church on Wednesday night for access or whatever it is. They both showed up on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, and they were taught from the Bible. And both had a common purpose. They wanted to build a house. In other words, you can think of their house as their life. They wanted to build a a life with meaning. They wanted their life to mean something. They wanted to live a life uh, that was lived with purpose, a life that had meaning to it. And, And seriously, isn't that what we all want? I mean, we all want to wake up every morning to have, to to wake up to to a life of hope. We want to wake up to a life that has purpose behind it. We want to wake up to a life that has meaning behind it. We want to wake up to a life and know that we are living for something that is going to make a difference. That's what we all want, and that's what these people were wanting as well. The other thing that I notice is this. In their search for meaning, in their search for purpose, and in their search for a cause that was bigger than themselves, they both experienced a storm. They both experienced a storm. Hard times, difficult times, opposition, tragedy, something happened that shook their life. But what determined the success or failure of each person was not the fact that they heard the words of Jesus— It was what they did with the words of Jesus. 
because one person put them into practice and his foundation was solid and he had a strong confidence in God, a bulletproof faith, a bulletproof confidence in God. The other person did not put them into practice. He showed up, he listened, he took notes, he might have even highlighted, but he did nothing with what he heard and he had no foundation. He had nothing to stand on. The other uh, and, and, and everything came crashing down around him. One person was wise. The other person was a fool. And when you leave here today, you are going to make a decision. When you leave here today, you're going to make a decision to either be wise or to be a fool. It's as simple as that. Because we are one of these two people. So when you leave this building today, you're either going to be wise or you are going to be a fool because the only difference that I see, the only difference that I see in this story that makes one person wise and the other person foolish is what a person did with what they heard. It's the only difference. Remember, God's desire is for us to trust Him so much that we have this bulletproof confidence in Him, that we have a big faith in Him. And there's this really cool verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. You don't have to turn there, but it says this. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I believe that. The Bible says that. I believe that. I believe that our faith begins. Our faith is conceived when we hear the Word of God, when we hear the Bible, or when we read the Bible. Our faith starts by hearing, but it grows by doing. Our faith starts by hearing, but it grows by doing. The reason the one house did not fall is not because of what the builder heard. It's because of what they did with what they heard. They acquired the truth, and then they did something with it. Our faith grows by doing. So, as we've heard over the past couple of weeks, we heard that God provides for us. That since God knows you by name, since God cares for the birds of the air, since God cares for the flowers in the field, since God knows the number of hairs that are on our head, that we don't have to worry because when we live according to his principles, he's going to provide for us. He is going to provide for our needs. So we can hear that and we can read that, but until we actually put ourselves in a place to see God provide, our faith will never grow. And so, for example, if you've been at Grace for any certain amount of time, you have heard about Asia's Hope. You've heard about the homes that, man, we've been able to start over there in, in Thailand and Cambodia. You've heard about it. You saw the video today, and, and you, you know, you, you see them, and you may be thinking to yourself, how awesome, how awesome would it be to be able to go over there and spend time with those orphans and love on them and hug them and, and just, just be an encouragement to them? How awesome would it be to be able to go over there and do all that stuff? And then you might hear about the next trip that's coming up, when, you know, whenever that is, and, and you're like, oh man, I got to go on that. And then you hear about the cost. And then you hear that it's like $3,000, $3,500 to go. And you're like, oh man, I guess so much for that. I'm not going to be able to go on that trip. That's a lot of money I got to raise. And so I'm not going to be able to go. And you know what? Your faith will remain small. 
Your faith will remain small. Because until you put yourself in a position where you need to see God come through, your faith won't grow. We often talk about the importance of sharing our story, the importance of telling other people about Jesus. And, and we've heard over the past several weeks, you know, that, that we can let our lights shine before men so that they can see God, so that our life points people to God. And we hear about the importance of telling people about Jesus. And so you may hear that, you may read that, and you may think to yourself, yeah, I know that's important, but man, there's no way that I can do that. Because... I, 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 don't, I, I don't know how to do it. What if, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? What if, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shy. I'm not really good. I don't have all the answers. What if, I, what if I just totally make a fool of myself when I go to do it? And you know what? If that's what you're thinking, your faith will remain small. It will. Because until you put yourself in a position to share and you have to see God come through, your faith will will not grow. There's a verse in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that simply says this. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we can read that, and we can be encouraged by that, and we can think that is an awesome verse, but the reality is this. You won't do anything until you put yourself in a position to try something that is totally beyond your capabilities. You won't do anything until you're willing to step out and do something where you need to see God come through. The Bible is filled with promises. This book is filled with promises about who you are as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus, about who you are as a, as a child of God. It is filled with promises about who you are. It is filled with instructions for us. It is filled with principles for us to follow in regards to relationships. It's filled with principles for us to follow in regards to finances. It's filled with principles for us to follow in regard to marriage, in regard to parenting, in regard to self-discipline. We have, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need to be in a thriving relationship with God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have every tool that you need for an th- abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter, John chapter 10. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need for a thriving life in Jesus. But until you do something with what you have, nothing's going to change in your life. Nothing will change. It's kind of like, like this. I got some, uh, my son is five years old, and he is a huge fan of Legos. I don't know if anybody else has, has kids that like Legos. My son, Ezra, loves Legos. He loves um, Star Wars Legos, in particular Star Wars, and then the Ninjago Legos and stuff like that. He loves those things. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is just to actually sit with him and, and put something like this together. Um, because it's just good quality time for us. You know, it may, ta- it may take the average person like 30 minutes to put something like this together. It takes me about two and a half hours just because I'm, it's just not my gifting. But anyway, um, uh, my son loves to do this, and I love to sit down with him and do it as well. And so when you buy Legos, what you get is you just get this big box of Legos, and then you are giving a, a, given a book of instructions that tell you this is the finished product. 
This is what you are going to make. And you have been given everything to make this. So you have every Lego that you need to make this thing. And not only that, but you're given a book of instructions to follow that allow you to put in the right place every Lego that you have so that this happens. But the reality is this. Until I open up the box, and until I read the instructions, and until I actually put my hands on the Legos and start putting them together, nothing is going to happen. If I don't do anything, I'm just going to have a big jumbled mess of pieces that's not going to make any sense whatsoever. And it's the same thing in our life. And we have been given everything that we need as a follower of Jesus to have a thriving life in God. But until we begin to apply everything that God has given us, our life will never change. Your faith will not get big until you start to do something with it. Until you allow the words of Jesus to accomplish something in your life. Because remember that it is the doing that makes the difference. It's the doing that makes the difference. Now, when I say that, don't get me wrong. I am not talking about where you go when you die. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about earning God's favor. I'm not saying that what we do or what we don't do causes God to love us more or to love us less. I'm not saying that because that is not true. The Bible says that salvation is absolutely free. The Bible says that our salvation is 100% totally, completely free. Salvation secures. It secures our lives for eternity. We do not earn that. There's nothing that we can do to earn that. That comes through Jesus and only through Jesus. But satisfaction is different. That, that sense of thriving, that sense of, of freedom, that sense of fulfillment, that sense of purpose, that cause that is bigger than ourselves, the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, that is something you fight for. That is something that you work for. Because the more you work for that, the more you are going to see God come through in your life because it is the doing that makes the difference. It is the doing that makes the difference. I grew up in a church that was all about giving information. That's the type of church that I grew up in. The type of church I grew up in was all about giving information. It was, it was all about the more you know, the better you are. The more you learn, the more godly you are. The more you attend church, the more godly you are. And if church was really boring on a Sunday, but you stayed awake, you got some extra points with God, you know? And I, I got a lot of extra points with God, believe me, from, you know, uh, staying awake through several. But, but that was the type of church that, that I grew up in. And it was all about all about getting information, all about covering the material. The church I grew up in, it had good people. It had caring people. It had people that invested in me, but it was all about showing up and listening. We were never taught what to do with what we heard. We had a church full of kind people that could talk about theology, but they had no idea how to talk to their neighbor about Jesus. We had a church full of kind people that could get 100% on the Jesus pop quiz. 
but they had no idea how to actually be the hands and the feet of Jesus and to reach out to the broken and to reach out to the oppressed and to reach out to the hurting people that were all around us every single day. We were very content to cover the material. And for the longest time in my life, I, I was deceiving myself. For the longest time in my life, I was thinking that God was happy with the more that I knew. And I was deceiving myself. Why do I believe that I was deceiving myself? Because James chapter 1, verse 22, says this. James chapter 1, verse 22. You can go ahead and turn there. James chapter 1, verse 22. It's going to be up on the screen too, but it says this. It says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The Bible calls Satan a liar and a deceiver. When you come back next week, you're going to hear all about these unseen forces and all that kind of stuff. That's what we're going to be starting next week. But the Bible calls Satan a liar and a deceiver. But the reality is this. He doesn't have to deceive many of us. Because we're too busy deceiving ourselves by not allowing the words of God to actually impact the way we live. If the words of God, if the Bible does not impact the way you live, you are deceiving yourself. We can listen. We can enjoy a sermon. We can laugh. We can clap. We can even Instagram a picture from the service. We can do all that stuff. But if we don't do something with what we have heard, we are deceiving ourselves. And not doing something with what we heard is the equivalent of this. You could picture yourself sitting on a couch. And so you're sitting on a couch and and you're listening and you're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. That is great stuff. I got a Facebook that, man. That was great stuff right there. And you feel so moved. You're like, I got to do something. So what you do is you get up from one cushion and then you just sit down on the next cushion. When you don't do something with what you've heard, it's the equivalent of sitting on the couch and moving from one cushion on the couch to the next cushion on the couch. You know what the reality is? The reality is you're still on the couch. You might have moved from one cushion to the next cushion, but the reality is you're still on the couch. And God's word was never meant to keep us on the couch. It is meant to trigger us to be a driving force for good in the lives of everyone around us. That is what God's word is meant to do in our lives. Jesus speaks to create change. He speaks to accomplish something. And so... If you're one of those people that has been coming to Grace for an extended period of time, if you've been a part of Grace Community for an extended period of time, and you are content to just show up and listen, if you're one of those people that's been coming for an extended period of time, and you're very content to just show up and listen and sit and and tolerate a service for, you know, for however long it is, and then get up and leave and then go on your merry way, hey, we're glad you're here. Don't get me wrong. But just being honest with you, you're probably at the wrong church. You're probably at the wrong church. If all you want to do is cover the material, if all you want to do is just come, fill up a seat, and leave, you're at the wrong church. And I'm just being honest with you, your car is taking up a spot in our parking lot that could be used to reach somebody who needs to know that Jesus is alive. 
who needs to know that Jesus makes us new, who needs to know that Jesus sets us on mission to be a driving force for good in our community, to be a driving force for good in all the people around us, to be a driving force for good in our world. Our desire is for you to never be content with just listening to never be content with just listening, but to hear the truth and then live out the truth. Why? Because when you hear and then do, that is what creates a big faith. When you hear and do, that's what creates a big faith because it's the doing that makes the difference. It's the doing that makes the difference. So whether you're at work or at home or at a game or playing with your kids or watching TV or if you're on a date or if you're at school or if you're at the gym or if you're in Starbucks or maybe we'll bump into each other at Tivana, it doesn't matter where we're at. The desire God has for all of us is to live a life that is led by, guided by, and directed by the Bible. That is God's desire for all of us. God's desire is for the Bible not to be something that you just hear, not to be something that you just read, but to become your standard for living. It's the foundation the foundation that you base your relationships on. It's the foundation that you base your finances on. It's the foundation that you base your marriage on. It's the foundation that you base your work ethic on. How you treat others, how you treat yourself, what you allow to enter your mind, what you believe about yourself, how you take care of your body, what you do with your money, what you do with your time, the way that you use your words, the integrity of your life. God's desire for you is for the Bible to become the standard by which we live. And I will be the first to say this. I will be the first to say, that's not easy. That is not easy. If I can be honest with you, I don't always understand the Bible. And if I can be even more honest with you, I don't always like the Bible. I don't always like what the Bible has to say to me. And I don't know if you've experienced this in your life or not, but I found that when I try to live out the words of the Bible, it, it disrupts the way that I live. That actually living the Bible disrupts the way that I live because the Bible tells me things like this. The Bible tells me not to live selfishly, but I am naturally selfish. The Bible tells me to put others first. But I am naturally self-centered. The Bible tells me to forgive other people. But I tell you what, I can hold a good grudge. The Bible tells me to be generous. But man, I like to spend money on myself. I do. The Bible tells me that, that the borrower is servant to the lender. But it's so easy to pull out that credit card and just make a monthly payment at 28% interest. It is real easy to do that. The Bible tells me to live in an uncommon way, and it is not easy to live in a way that goes against everything that comes so natural to me. The Bible disrupts our lives. 
and it can be so disruptive that, they, that, it, can, that it can make us angry. Uh, think about this. There were times when Jesus spoke from the Bible. There were times when Jesus was speaking, and he was speaking just from the Old Testament at that time, but, but he's speaking from the Old Testament, and there were times when he was talking, and people got so angry, and people got so upset, and people got so disturbed that they literally wanted to kill him because of what he said. Think about that. There's, you can go, if you want to, at some point, read in John chapter 8. Jesus is talking, and there's a time when he taught what the Bible said, and people literally picked up stones, and they were ready to stone him. They were ready to hurl stones at his head and kill him because of what he was saying. There's another story in Luke chapter 4 where, where Jesus taught what the Bible said, and people literally grabbed a hold of him, drug him up to a high hill, and they wanted to throw him off a cliff because they were so upset about what he was saying. I hope nobody's getting any ideas here today. But anyway... Um, all that to say the Bible can make us angry sometimes because it disrupts the way that we want to naturally live. Applying the Word of God to our life, living it out, it's not always easy. It is not always fun. We may not always like it. And in the process of living it out, there have got to be times. There have got to be times when you say, I don't know if I can do this. There have got to be times when you say, I don't know if I am capable of living like that. There have got to be times when you say, if I am going to live like this, I need God to show up in my life in a big way. And my response to you is this, yes, you do. And guess what? It's exactly what God wants to do. It's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to show up in your life in a big way because when you live out the words of the Bible, we are incapable of doing that on our own. And God knows that. And God says, I know you can't do it, but guess what? When you allow me to live through you, then you can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but you're not going to do a thing until you actually step out and do something. God knows that we need him. So when we trust God enough to say, God, I am going to do this simply because you said to do it. When we trust God enough to say, God, I am going to build my life on your word. I may not always understand it. I may not even always like it. But God, even when I don't like what you say, I'm going to build my life on what you say because I know that you will never lie to me. I know that you will always tell me the truth. And when we do that, that is an expression of faith in your life. And I believe that God is always happy with an act of faith. When you express big faith, God comes through in big ways. If you want God to show up in your life, you cannot be content with just covering the material. You have got to go out and do something with it because it is the doing that makes the difference. And so, we've had eight weeks. We've had eight weeks of, of this series. Eight weeks of Gut Check Mountain. It's, it's, it's been good. There have been entertaining times. Uh, it's been hard. There have been disruptive times, times when we've really been challenged. And, and something, you know, something I'll, 
often do, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, you know, you just get online or whatever, you go on Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. You know, I'll see a lot of updates, and people, almost every Sunday during this series, I've seen updates of how great the service was, and, and that's awesome. I mean, that is great and all, but, but what are we doing with what we've heard? What are we doing with what we've heard from those great services? I guess that's my question. Because God's more concerned with your life than he is your status update. I hope you know that. So what are we doing with what we have heard? Never mistake appreciation for application. Never mistake the fact that because you appreciated a service or appreciated a message, never mistake that for actually applying what you've heard. Or, or doing what you've heard. Because remember, it's the doing that is always going to make the difference. And so, what have you done with what you've heard? Have you applied what we've heard about prayer? Or are you just going through your day, not even giving God a second thought? What are you doing? Have you applied? Have you applied what we've learned about forgiveness? Or are you still holding a grudge? Forgiveness is one of those things I am not saying that is easy. And many of you have been so wronged in your life. But what I am saying is forgiveness sets us free. And we're most like Jesus when we offer forgiveness to somebody that totally doesn't deserve it. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. What are you doing with forgiveness? Have you applied that? Have you applied what we've learned about trusting God and believing that God provides for us? When we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to us. Are, are you believing that or are you still walking through your day filled with worry and filled with anxiety? Have you applied that? Have you applied what we've learned about judging others and realizing that, that judging others is not about condemning a person? It's not about any of that, but it's about showing them truth and grace and coming alongside of them and saying, we are going to get through this together so that you can become the person that God has created you to be. Are you applying that in your life? Have you applied Have you applied the fact that the way that we live our lives can actually point somebody to God? Can somebody look at your life and how you live and how you talk and how you act and and, and what your marriage looks like and what your relationships look like and what you're like at school and all that kind of stuff? Can people actually look at your life and see God? Because Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify you? No. Glorify your Father in heaven. Are you living in a way that people look at what you do and they have no other response except to say, praise God. Praise God. Have you applied that stuff? Have you applied that stuff or are you simply content to come in and cover the material and say, wow, that was a great sermon. Wow, that was awesome. And then you just move from one cushion on the couch to the next cushion. God's word was never meant to keep us on the couch. If you're on the couch, you're deceiving yourself. And so, your assignment for the week is this. We don't, we're not closing in any fancy way. We're not doing any music, not coming forward, nothing like that. I just want to simply give you an assignment. 
because when you leave here today, you are going to have the opportunity to walk out as a wise person or you're going to be able to walk out as a foolish person. The choice is yours. Our, our job at, at Grace Community is simply to open up the Bible, stir it up a little bit, you know, tell you what it says, and then boom, give it to you, and then say, okay, it's your choice. And so you can leave here today, and you can say, I'm going to leave and I'm going to be wise, or you can leave and say, I'm going to be a fool. And, and, and so this is your assignment. This week... I would just like for you to read Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. It's everything that we've gone over over the past eight weeks. Just read Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. And then after you read it, actually take a moment and talk to God and say, God, what are two areas in my life where this needs to be applied? What are two areas in my life where I need to apply something from what Jesus said in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, or Matthew 7? And then just go do it. Just go do it. Because the doing is what's going to make the difference. The doing is what's going to grow your relationship with God. The doing is what is going to make the difference. So we go out and we just do it. No more talking about it. Let's just do it. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, I, um, just as, just preparing for this, Lord, and um, just getting ready for this, um, thank you for bringing Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 to me uh, that simply says, this is what you said, God, there are people who hear the message, but it was of no value because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. And so, God, my prayer for my life, my prayer for everybody here in the main, my prayer for everybody over in the link, my prayer for anybody who is hearing this, is that you will help us to combine each message that we hear from the Bible with action. God, realizing that it's the doing that will make the difference. And God, I pray that as we leave here today, that you will produce in us a bulletproof confidence in you. Because that trust will always lead to our obedience. God, let us go out and be moved to action and make a difference. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Go out and be wise. Thanks.